Welcome everyone and thanks for tuning in to Process Potables, powered by Last Out Media. First in, last out. You can find us on all listening platforms, as well as on Instagram and Twitch, at Podcast Potables Network, and on Twitter and untapped, at Process Potables. Make sure to check out our other shows on the network, namely our new show that is succeeding and doing incredibly well, Punches and Potables, our UFC and MMA podcast with your hosts, Paul Ryan, Sean Hardy, and Rob Huber, bringing you all the latest news in UFC, MMA, breaking down and previewing big fight nights, pay-per-views, and much more. For news, blog posts, archived episodes, and info on breweries we've worked with, go to www.processpotables.com. Process Potables is on tap. Cheers, everyone. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to episode 74 of Process Potables. This episode is titled, The Sophomore Slump. It is our two-year anniversary, technically yesterday, <laughs> but I have been fucking swamped with the new job, so it's been tough to keep up, but notice the date yesterday. One year ago, we were at Neck of the Woods Brewing doing our first anniversary, and unfortunately with how this entire year has gone, we really haven't gotten to be anywhere in quite some time. And it's really put a damper, you know, on the podcast. That was kind of our thing was going out and being with people and getting that live environment and that brewery experience. And, you know, I think that brought a lot to the show. And, and it's been tough to to keep going on between that and between the Sixers, you know, just completely taking a shit on the on the season more or less, and, you know, we try to at least maintain the coverage of the team in that regard, but, man, like, it just, uh, it really sinks because we had a great first year, and there's nothing we could do about it. Obviously, a lot of things struggle. You know, we, we've tried to push through and, and keep this thing going, but really just, I guess the best thing I can say is, one, obviously appreciate everybody who has stuck with us and, and tunes in. For us just sitting in a basement giving Sixers coverage, by no means is this really the way that I wanted to do this because I feel like there's enough dorks who hang out in their <laughs> parents' basements and think they know what they're talking about. At least this is my basement. I am right. Uh, you know, not not some kid in their parents' house, but you know, we uh, we both own our places and we have the, the the nice studio set up here. But regardless, appreciate everybody who stuck through. But really hoping that. You know, if everyone can just get their shit together, put on a fucking mask and, you know, maybe not go to the Olive Garden uh, this weekend or something, you know, suck it up for once that we could maybe actually get past yeah. this soon. And- oh, and, and, and the new thing now is, well, I'm not getting that shit injected into right. me. You don't like, OK, come on. Like- yeah. I'll start a line of Coke, but I won't get a vaccine that will prevent me from a life-threatening illness. Exactly. Yeah, that logic adds up. For the record, I would do both, but that's you know, mm-hmm. neither here nor there. But at least I'm not the guy who would do coke but not get the vaccine. And if Pulp Fiction told us anything that you can use a vaccine, if you overdose on coke, you just have to stab yourself in the heart. I don't think that was a vaccine. 
Well, it involved the needle, so that's why I'm calling it. Oh, okay, vaccine, sure. So. All right, fair enough. Got it. <laughs> Message made. Uh, before we get into anything and everything Sixers, we're, we're going to probably be all over the place for this one, but we do have a few points of order. But before that, I poured Steve and myself a very special beer for us to celebrate. I had one from work, but we've done a lot of bone saw on the podcast lately, and Yes, I work there, and yes, I do get a lot of it given to me. But the other big thing is the quarantine and COVID. I'm not really going to the liquor store. I'm not going nope. to other breweries that often. I try to support them where I can. I don't want anyone to get the impression that this is going to be uh, a bone saw promoted podcast. It is by no means. They have no actual uh, sponsorship or affiliation with the pod other than you know employing me. But I damn well earn my beer and my paycheck, so there's no handouts here. So you now what you got? You got to update the Twitter bio and be like, opinions are my own. Oh oh shit! Gotta just thought of that. Yeah, maybe <laughs> <laughs> I might have to do that. Uh, but so the good news is that on Monday I should get my first shipment from Tavor, and I don't know if you've heard of Tavor, but it's basically like everything else in this world where you know it's not subscri- it's kind of like a subscription thing, but you, you, there is no minimum. There's nothing you have to do. But essentially every day, you know they release like three or four beers from different breweries around the country, and everything they have is from things that are very highly rated on Untapped or on Beer Advocate or have won medals at Great American Beer Fest. Or things like that. You know, they release them and you can buy, and many times you can buy one can or two cans. Like you don't have to buy a four pack or a six pack. So you can buy smaller quantities. You can try a lot of different stuff. And it's just, hey, if you want this, you can buy. And if you don't, it passes right by. You choose when the box ships. So you can choose how often you want it to come or not. And it ships flat rate. So every time, and again, this is not an ad either. This is just the first time I'm using it. I'm very excited. I have like 46 beers coming. <laughs> My wife is going to kill me, but like 46 beers, they're not like, you know, some things I got two of and whatever. But so we'll have beers from all over the country we'll be able to try. So we are not by any means getting away from trying very unique beers, different beers, promoting different breweries and whatnot. It's just been a very rough time. Uh, between quarantine and the new job. And listen, and if you're going to use the app and buy 48 beers, at least get a, at least a few flavors for the wife to try so she doesn't get yep. as mad. I know I, you're smart enough to do I that. I have a couple ciders in there, I think, there for her. Go. And obviously I pick you know all the fruity sours and stuff like that that she'll uh, taste with me. So, yeah, man, I'm a smart guy. Come on. Yeah. But my my point of all that was leading to the beer that we're drinking, which was going to be from Bone. So it's going to be our uh Tennessee whiskey barrel aged coconut coffee stout, but I also couldn't find my thing to get the wax off the bottle. So <laughs> I happened to have in my fridge. I've been waiting to drink this, and I thought we might drink it this past Saturday when our good friend and engineer extraordinaire Corey Oates finally popped the question to his lovely fiance Jacqueline. And I thought we might have this then, but we didn't. So I'm just we're gonna enjoy it tonight. You know, we're popping bottles. It's not it's not champagne, but and it's not Miller High Life. It's not the champagne oh, of no, beers, no, no. but it is a champagne of beer, so to speak. This is the Reserve Reserve Bourbon Barrel Aged Imperial Coffee Stout 2020 from Wawa and 2SP Brewing. And if you've had any of the beers from them, this year's Wawa, the regular Reserve Coffee Stout, was pretty good. But then I forget, were we with... Was it on Thanksgiving? Yeah. At Thanksgiving, we had some different holiday one 
that they had it, and I, a, I wasn't yeah. in love with it. So this is the one that's that's usually pretty hard to find. So this is a little different. This is bourbon barrel aged, so this is gonna hit pretty hard. It says it's only nine percent. I know you've already tried yours. I was waiting, but you jumped ahead of me. Yeah, so. I couldn't. So why don't you myself. before I try it? Why don't you tell me what you're tasting? Let me see if I get the same notes. So it got a nice. Uh, you can feel the aging of it a little bit. The, like it's very smoothiness. Yeah, a little bit of booziness. I don't know if it tastes nine percent, but you know, in a, in a lesser way or a stronger way, and maybe in a lesser way. But okay, a lot of times that's a good thing if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I usually yeah, get I that mean, from beers that are up around twelve or thirteen. Sometimes when it's nine, I'm wondering if th- that would kind of be the spot you'd expect it to be. And let me get a. It smells very coffee. I don't smell yeah. a lot of booze, which a lot of times you'll get in that bourbon cellars go. Definitely coffee in it. The type of coffee I like. Can't tell you if it's Wawa coffee because neither of us are coffee guys. No, not so. at all. Yeah. Ton of coffee. But not not like black coffee, like Almost like, I don't know, like an Arabian blend or something like that. There's a couple of little spices and stuff in there. Definitely a little th- bit of chocolate. I know this sounds weird, but, like, have you ever had, like, the the coffee cakes made by Tasty Cake? It's like a cinnamon kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It tastes absolutely I not, get a little nothing bit of like that. coffee, yeah, I, but it, ta- you know, it goes well with coffee. It, it, it doesn't taste boozy at all. Yeah. It, but it, it 9% sounds about right. Like, this isn't one where I'm like, like, if this was 13, I'd be like, holy shit, this doesn't taste like it. Yeah. 9% is probably right. So, yeah, this one won't kill you. Uh, this one's pretty safe. But, yeah, it is very flavorful. You know, is it the best bourbon barrel aged stout I've had? No, not not by any mm. means. But it's 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 a, it's a nice treat. Uh, I, again, I haven't seen it in many places, so I was happy to get my hands on it and try it. Not disappointed in it. Probably don't need another one. Yeah. Not Good too way to bad. Describe it. Uh, you know, it'll pair nicely with this Diet Mountain Dew. Absolutely. I yeah. What doesn't? Uh, I guess before we start, Steve, I mean, you know, your thoughts on, on basically two years of doing this year, about, I guess, a year and a half in, maybe a little more uh, into doing it. So, I mean, this is really the first time that you have been, uh, you know, re- recognizing a full year uh, and change of, yeah. of service on this. Part of it is just like with anything else in life right now, it's very hard to quantify and conceptualize time because it almost feels like three years of being on here, but when it's only been two, so it's difficult to say. But it's it's been fun, although the majority of the past 12 months have kind of sucked. But uh, I definitely miss going out to breweries, meeting new people and everything. And, man, like, I, I mean, my wife and I agreed we weren't going to uh, travel this year because we had, like, eight vacations the year before. But, like, we, you know, when it's like a guy's trip or a vacation with the wife, like I always make a trip like, all right, I got to find like a brewery, you know, just find something different. And man, I miss that. And like, also just... go to McDonald's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I miss all of that. And we had travel plans this year as well. Uh, I, I had uh, paid for an entire trip to New Orleans for my wife for her birthday. <sighs> Wasn't able to do that. Spent most of that money on myself in the end. And New Orleans is probably the least beer city in America, but it's one of the best cities still. It's uh, although we did find that one like very tiny microbrewery in the middle. Yeah, right at the bottom of uh, was it was it the French Quarter? Is that considered? It was I forget. Uh, for, was the street Frank? Is it Frankfurt or Franklin or something like that? I think it's Frankfurt. Something about Frank. Something about yeah. Frank. <laughs> 
Yeah, there was that one brewery at the end of that tour we did, and it was really good. Don't remember yeah, the name, and, so and then I I don't know how. on a separate trip, I, I did go to Ibiza, which is like 20 minutes outside of it, and like it was, it was okay. Yeah, I've never like, been a big fan of their beer, you know, not all just, that much. Just uh, drink all those sh- uh, sugary rum drinks and see what happens. That's all get I can fucked tell up, you. get a hurricane, yeah. get a hand grenade. Mm-hmm. There's pl- plenty of better things to do down there. Oh, yeah, and Willie Mays. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. Best of course. fried chicken in the world. Absolutely. That Nashville fried chicken go right to hell. Willie Mays, man. Just... You've had both, so you can say. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this is going to be a little off the rails, but, again, just want to thank everybody for the two years. Uh, we've gotten a lot of love for it from, from people that I know listen. And most of the people that I know listen are friends of ours, and I know probably partially do it out of support, but uh, we appreciate it nonetheless. And I just want to say personally, you know, we, we don't have any delusions of grandeur. We don't expect to become, you know, people that work for the Sixers or anything. We obviously do this because we have fun. We love the Sixers. We like beer. We like to just talk a bunch of shit. And there's a lot of bits. There's a lot of defending shit that no one else wants to defend and taking stances that people are too cowardish to take. Yeah. Like understanding that Furkan Korkmaz will probably be like the third most important bench player on this team. Yeah. And I wouldn't even care if he started. And I say that in all seriousness, like with the intention of wanting to seem to still win a title, um, he can be valuable and should play, you know, somewhere around 17 minutes a game, I hope. But, and I know people won't like that. But anyway, Furkan Korkmaz talk aside, there's, there's plenty of time for that. Uh, you know, we don't take it too seriously. We are just having fun. We know there's a lot of Sixers podcasts that are done by people who actually cover the team as their job. And you could very well listen to them and probably get better insight. But we do take it seriously. We we try to, you know, have our rundowns of topics. We do our homework. We look up numbers. We try to find some things that maybe no one else has had. We obviously do take a lot of things from Twitter and try to credit those people accordingly as well. But, I mean, I really do try to do my own research and, and find some gems that I can provide. And I know, Steve, you, you know, you've done that as well and have brought some great topics to the table. And, and we've had great guests on, uh, you know, this year alone, we've had people from ESPN. We've had people from NBC yeah. Sports. We've had, you know, Sixers Adam. And Ty Dalbert, 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 Dalbert. We still had a, f- a few good brewery interviews. Hopefully, again, really itching to get back to that in 2021, ideally, or, or figuring out some other way to get involved like that. And I'm really hoping that we're going to get a chance to ramp up some Blue Coats coverage uh, once they get back because that's something that I've really enjoyed is being down in Delaware with that team. And the staff and everything that uh, not not only the coaches and the team staff, but the uh, Blue Coats personnel as well, who have always been tremendously uh, gracious and hospitable and welcoming uh, to somebody who's you know still learning the ropes of a lot of this. So, all right, that's a whole bunch of you know sappy bullshit and whatever. But now we've got some fuel in this reserve coffee stout, and we're gonna get into it. So. The biggest thing that came, fresh news today, Paul George signs, it's a four-year extension that makes the next five years of his contract worth up to $226 million. That's right, yeah, up over the next five years. And, of course, since we have to make everything about the Sixers, and not just we, but, you know, Sixers Twitter, Sixers Mm -hmm. fans, everything, everything comes back to us. My initial thought was... 
Paul George's contract is now way worse than Tobias Harris' contract. Mm -hmm. Because we have always been fans of Tobias Harris, and we won't hide that. And we have tried to be on the side of, like, we are not, we're not stupid. And there's a difference between a bit and reality. The bit would be, you know, Tobias Harris is a really good player, and, and you're all being dicks. We've never really done that bit. Like, the reality is is that he has disappointed as a Sixer since he got here based on what we gave up and what he was doing in L.A. prior to the trade. Who was his coach when he was doing that? Hmm. That, oh, that would be Doc Rivers at the time. And uh, who does Doc Rivers coach now? The Sixers. Okay, so yeah. point for Tobias. Fully believe that if anybody's going to get the best out of him, it's going to be Doc yep. Rivers because that's what happened already. And that happened on a team with much less talent than this one, as is, barring any other moves that come, which, uh, let's see. Who's our GM now? Is he good? Does anybody did, does anybody know who he is? Or, or well, Owen Brand's a GM, did, but I believe you're, indica- you're uh, talking uh, about yes, the, I'm sorry, the, the president of, of basketball, basketball operations. Yes, who was a former GM. Correct. I believe that's Daryl Morey. Mr. Daryl Morey, yep. I believe that people have been pining for him mm. or somebody like him for God knows how long, and he happens to be here now. He happens to have assembled a competent set of role players, just to name a few, in Danny Green, who has won several titles, most recently, the most recent one, with the Los Angeles Lakers alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Seth Curry, a career... Boy, I think 41% three-point shooter, if I have that right. Yep. Uh, Last season shot five attempts a game and shot 45% from three for a Sixers team that did not take nearly enough threes. And who am I forgetting? Terrence Ferguson, who I I, I didn't even share this with you. I've told you before about Brock Landis. He writes for the Painted Lines, where I formerly used to, okay. be, to, to be at, and he is a, a stat master. Everything he tweets, Sixers-related, he's always on top of his shit. Follow Brock at Landis Brock, L-A-N-D-E-S-B-R-O-C-K. He's always dropping amazing stats. We referenced him before. Terrence Ferguson has been uh, one of the forgotten names in all of this. Yeah. Terrence Ferguson, last season, as far as defense is concerned, defended core players— Fifth most in the NBA. Defended All-Stars. Fifth most in the NBA. Wow. Defended the opposing team's number one option. Second most in the NBA. He held J.J. Redick, Paul George, James Harden, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, and Steph Curry combined 29% from three on 38 attempts with seven turnovers. Yeah, but those numbers are a little... um inflated if he defended against Paul George in the playoffs. So, mm. I mean, Brock, you might have to look into that for us. Oof. Oof, because that uh, playoff, oh, excuse me, pandemic P. Oof. Yeah. So, so <laughs> back to Tobias and and playoff or pandemic P, I guess we should say. Uh, Paul George is getting this extension while he is about to turn 31 years old. That final year is a player option. And that player option is for upwards of $49 million. He's going to be 35. And he's already has a a history of injuries. He's got a bad shoulder. 
My God, dude, that leg injury from 2014. Which he he recovered from, too, is credit. Which is great. But that doesn't mean it's going to age well. No. And people are still complaining about Tobias Harris getting 5'180 at 27 years old. He exits that contract. Mind you, no no options or anything. That contract ends. He's an unrestricted free agent at 31 years old. I don't. People, I, I knew when I said this that there were going to be some of these dorks who would rather get likes for taking the op- an opinion yeah. than actually believing in their opinion or having any basis to do so. And, like, I, I, I have messages with some of the people that listen and some of my friends with Sixers Twitter where we, we were guessing who the people were. And we've already seen it. They didn't come from me, and maybe they know better by now. But we've seen those people putting out the tweets and all their little minions come and like and ride the rail and and hop along. It's like a human centipede thing. They're all just eating each other's shit over and over. And it's only these little fucks that do it. And the rest of the people actually have (laughs) informed opinions and things. And, And I'm not saying you have to love Tobias Harris. You don't. You can acknowledge it's a bad deal. You can acknowledge that he's been a disappointment. But... You cannot – there's no way I could take you seriously if you told me that Paul that Paul George extension is a better deal than Tobias Harris, that they're going to get more value out of that than we will out of this Tobias deal, that that George deal is more movable than Tobias because that is the – that is the most unmovable contract in the NBA now. Yeah, that tops, in all of sports. That tops John Wall. Yeah. Like, oh, God, yeah, it does. It tops John Wall. Who just got traded. Because and least, you're not going to see him contract like that move again. No, like I like this is crazy to me. This is an absolute horrible deal, and I'm I'm I think that this has to make you happier having Tobias and understanding that that this was the type of thing that was going to happen, and especially because of the salary cap situation, and teams really gonna if they're gonna spend money they're probably gonna have to do it to people that they already have the rights for so they can go over exactly. the cap to do so that they're gonna have to overpay right stars that they already have because they're not gonna be able to free up the money to go get new ones and and that's what we said before when we uh were talking about last year like you know do we resign Toby do we trade them do whatever people forget it's not like okay we could not give Tobias out 180 over you know four years and sign someone else like that option wasn't there. Like we had his it was the bird rights. I guess it's because he's already on your team. You can sign him and go over to cap. If, if you don't spend that money on him, there's really nothing unless you want to sign a bunch of veterans to minimum deals. So, and we, we, I don't want to say we like talked ourselves into it, but the reality was it's like, okay, like you're going to have to overpay him, you know, at least a little bit to, to keep him, and, and, and that's what happened. Um, now that doesn't seem like so much of an overpay compared to Paul George. One interesting thing I saw was that, um, Paul George, he, his average contract with, um, taking into account inflation and stuff. Sorry, I had it and it disappeared was about $48 million. The NBA record all time. Again, if he adjusted for, Inflation and things like that is Michael Jordan, who in the 97-98 season made about almost $55 million. Right, and but also for the rest of his career was like criminally underpaid. Yes, and he's also the greatest player of all time, whereas yes. Paul George has averaged 20 points a game 
his entire career in a you know in ten seasons, which isn't bad. I mean, that's great. But your number two superstar getting paid thirty five percent of your salary cap, twenty points a game, and uh, let's not forget disappearing in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I mean, let's like and let's not get it twisted. Like Paul George has been a great player. Oh yeah. That that's the point has been. This is yet another one of those deals where you're paying for the past. You're never getting yeah. that Paul George again. You're not probably getting anything very close. If you say which has a greater chance, will, will either happen? I don't know. You know, dead honest, do either happen? I don't know. But if you have to answer me right now, what has a better chance of happening? Who has the potential to have the best season of their career this season? Is it Paul George or Tobias Harris? Oh, it's Toby. It's Tobias Absolutely. Harris. It's yeah. not fucking close. No. Will he is a completely different conversation. Yes. But will Paul George have the best year of his career this upcoming season? No. And because he's only going to get older, he's already has an injury history, he's already over 30, this is the best chance for him to do that, that he has left, and it doesn't exist. It's not an actual chance. So again, you're going to pay Tobias Harris significantly, a, a couple million dollars less than Paul George. You're going to get out of that deal when he's 31 years old. And you do technically have the opportunity for him to have a career year. If not a career year, if he puts up those Clippers numbers prior to the trade, he's basically doing Paul George career averages. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so it doesn't even have to be the best thing it's ever done. It just has to be nope. what he did a year and a half ago. Yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility when you get that coach back, a ton of talent around him, and then you, you take into the fact that if everyone else on this team does their job, he shouldn't need to put up those numbers. And like that sounds like an excuse, but I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if he doesn't hit those numbers, it's not even an indicator of poor performance on his part. Because you figure Joel Embiid should lead this team in scoring. Ben Simmons should be rebounding and passing the ball and defending. Seth Curry should be shooting a fuck ton of threes. Furkan Korkmaz should be shooting a fuck ton of threes. Danny Green should be out there playing whatever role is needed, whether that's spot up in the corner, whether that's a little bit of facilitating, whether that's being an aggressive defender. He could do all those things. Like You have yeah. all these other things. And that was always my praise of Tobias Harris last season, even when the numbers weren't great even when the shooting slumps happened is that he had to be the swiss army knife that filled gaps that this team didn't have because there was no bench you you were like ben simmons what's the word i'm looking for his engagement was sometimes hit or miss and that's something you can never say about tobias harris he is engaged he's out there hustling he works all the time and, like, you can count on him to be there and do those things. There were games where he had – there were plenty of double-digit rebounds. There were plenty of games where he played way better defense than you should have expected yeah. from him. And now he gets to not have to play alongside Al Horford. Yes, that he, was my next thing. His contract looks so much better now that we don't have Horford on the books. Yep. Thank and, God. And, and, and everybody does. Like, that was the albatross. And when you said earlier about, oh, maybe we talked ourselves into – we talked ourselves into Al Horford. Yeah. Because yeah. we, ha- we had to. What else are you going to do? Yeah. And and that's kind of the point that I'm still making about some some of these people, too, is, 
you know, we talk ourselves into it as fans because we want them to succeed. But some of these people talk themselves into the wrong opinion because they don't actually even want the team to succeed. They just want to be right. Yeah. And they're not even right. They're wrong, but they have all these little pests that agree with them and it gives them false confidence. Gets them likes, gets and then them page louder. count views, it gets them and on I don't know if there's it's all like, these it's like, re- dude, any asshole can have a podcast. Exhibit A and exhibit yeah. B. <laughs> yeah, and it just you know, these little pessiminions, what it probably really is too, it's probably the same like three or four dudes with a million, you know, Fake Twitter handles following each other. Oh so. boy, we're not you talking know. about like a J, a, a Sixers J Pro. Yeah. Oh, hmm. I don't know. I would be News scared of that one. Yeah. I had a uh, a Justin Anderson fan account tell me that Paul George is better than Tobias Harris today, and I said he he didn't phrase <laughs> it so that it was clear. So I so I said that Paul George's contract worse than Tobias Harris, and he said, "Well, he's better," and I said, "Who?" And this is clearly a, a setup on my part. <laughs> and he said Paul George, and I blocked him. Because honestly, dude, a Justin Anderson fan account, yeah. one, go fuck yourself. Two, anybody who doesn't have, like, who doesn't admit who they are on Twitter. Like, yes, my avatar right now is an Eagles fan in a clown mask. But everybody <laughs> knows who the fuck I am. Oh, yeah. I've had my picture on there plenty of times. I don't hide who I am. My takes are, yeah. are there for you to come at me all you want. Not a big deal. And and if it was his mom that was running his account, it would have been her picture. She would say, yeah, I'm, I'm Justin Anderson's mama, you know. Sure. I'm Simba's mom, you know, sure. Like, sure. Um, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that contract is the worst in the NBA, and it will not age well. And is that a good reason to feel better about Tobias Harris? No, but no. the reality is it, it should make – make you just shut up a little bit hey i mean and it's not as bad as let's think of another bad contract people are talking about right now in philadelphia carson wentz's contract or? oh boy are we <laughs> are we gonna go there no no i just you know sometimes i need a little self-deprecating humor to offset the attacking other people humor i guess i don't know listen buddy here's what i'll tell you this sunday's the first game this season i'm excited to watch <laughs> That, that's about all I can say about it. Oh, um, yeah. You, you didn't watch the game with us last Sunday. No. There was like zero engagement. I know. From any of those. Just like, yeah. Okay, that's why I was like, I was like, I'd just rather sleep and watch Red Zone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I should have done. It's come to that point. It's yeah. tragic. It's absolutely tragic. But hey, I want to wa- watch the kid. Let's yeah. go. Whatever. Change of pace. Let's, let's do something. I'm not, I don't feel good about it. <laughs> no. But that's, uh, that's a conversation for another day, I suppose. Uh, so. Doc Rivers, I mean, he's been saying all the right things, pressing all the right buttons. And the thing, you know, what he says is one thing. And I know that he's just going to kind of like he's been doing this a long time. I don't know if he's going to give us anything all that interesting. But the thing that I did find interesting is that a lot of players, not the new ones, a lot of players that were here have been saying some pretty interesting things about Doc, about Doc Rivers and no one's thrown Brett under the bus yet, mm. but it sure seems like there's a few players that are are maybe thinking that Brett was definitely an issue. One of them was Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris on playing under Doc Rivers again. I'm excited for Doc. I loved my time playing with him in L.A. He's a good coach. I'm excited to be a part of this group. Somebody who motivates and pushes us. He understands our capabilities. Mm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else didn't do or know those things. But I don't know, man. 
Yeah, because a lot of times Brett kind of came off too much of as like a player's coach. Sometimes that balance seemed to be, you know, one way and not so much the other. It's kind of like, you know, for some reason I only ever have like comparisons to other sports, but just think about the Phillies won the World Series and Charlie Emanuel eventually became a player or became a problem because he was too much, you know, of a player's manager. But then when it came time to discipline Jimmy Rollins, it was just like, wait, I thought we were cool here, you know? Like there just seemed to be – no right balance there. And I can yeah, kind of see that. And, it that way a little bit. And probably to which I've people have kind of hinted at a little bit here and there, but there probably was motivating some players more than others too, holding other players more accountable than others. And, you know, maybe Ben and Joe get a little more preferential treatment or get an ease away with things. I don't know. I mean, so. that, that's what I take from this is I yeah. don't I don't take it as necessarily, you know, the way that Brett treated anybody. But I do think there were always concerns on how hard was he really pushing Ben and Joel. Joel, obviously, with his uh, conditioning and availability and Ben Simmons with his willingness to shoot and things like that. So you definitely we already kind of knew Doc coming in wasn't going to obviously baby these guys. And this was our thing. Again, the go back, you know, we're doing this two-year episode to to one of our staples was we were big Brett Brown guys. Yeah. But again, like, it's it's funny to do it. And when we truly did think that he was doing a great job, then, yeah, we we would kind of troll people who didn't. And we would try and make the case that he was and try and convince people to not just bash him to get a couple likes on Twitter to really understand the intricacies and what's really happening here. But, you know, this past season, me and you both turned that page, and we both agreed pretty much, uh, I think, pretty early in the season that Brett was probably gone. Yeah. That he wasn't getting the job done anymore. And that there was a big concern on the fact that, like, Ben Simmons hit that three, and then Brett came out and said, I wanted to shoot one a game, and he didn't shoot another one for, like, 28 games or something. And clearly, you know, Brett's saying this to the media, but it doesn't seem like he's then actually enforcing it in practices and in game plans and in in, in yeah. working with these players, we we said that if it's going to come down to like the the whole meta thing of splitting Joel and Ben, which we're all we've all been very staunchly against, and I believe continue to yep. not want that to be the case. Agreed that we wanted to see an established coach come in who didn't draft these guys, who didn't you know, raise these guys into the stars that they are and have somebody come in who understands their talent, but also understands that it's time to fucking win because the window is so small. Yeah. Especially when you have no idea how much you can get out of Joel Embiid. And I mean, this is exactly what we wanted. We did not think it would be Doc Rivers. No, but this is exactly what we wanted. High profile coach who has won a title, who has consistently won, made it far into the playoffs to come and wake these guys the fuck up and figure it out. And so far, it sounds like from all the players perspectives that that's definitely the case. I don't think I have the quote, but I know Ben Simmons also had said something uh, very positive about Doc Rivers and Doc definitely talked about. Ben in practices, and I do have uh, this is from uh, Tom West, uh, who we've also mentioned several times, and is a great Twitter follow at Tom West NBA. That Doc Rivers says he envisions Ben Simmons' offensive usage as quote being a terror, which I fucking love. Yeah, getting downhill, attacking, facilitating, being quote special in the open floor, which we already know he can do. And then he said Ben had an 
ultra charged practice today and highlighted how active he was as a cutter. And I also saw something on the athletic about uh, Ben having pra- uh, great practices and Doc referring to them and just saying that uh, he plans to use him defending one through four. Ben's going to be the facilitator. He said that he won't call him a point guard because the only people he's ever called a point guard are Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo. Sure. But, but he did say that Ben Simmons will be the facilitator. They said that even in uh, practice segments where Shake Milton was the point guard, the offense was running through Ben Simmons. So I think we're going to see a lot of concepts that did work under Brett. But the biggest difference is, one, you have spot-up shooters that work now. And I really think they're going to change how they use Joel Embiid on both ends of the floor. Yeah, that's definitely going to happen. And I've kind of read, again, I don't have exact quotes only, but basically Doc Hinnon at that he's not going to overhaul and cr- or completely change the entire mm-hmm. offense just because you know, with the strange offseason with really no training camp, two preseason games, I mean to, to implement something completely new and different, it's just going to be you know, difficult and not successful at all to begin yeah, with. So I, I think I he slowly said about just, he said yeah. build basics uh, enough of a system for them to get out there and then they'll add on as the season goes. And if, and if anything, like the, the thing I'd want to see most that might be the hardest to implement is getting, you know, Joel Embiid really involved with uh, the pick and rolls. I mean, that's a, which is something we'd love to see, but that, you know, but that's also at the same time, that's, that's possible. It's not, you know, going to be, Maybe he'll have a lot to adjust and learn from there, but you know I don't see why that's something he can actually do. Well, I think we're season. we're gonna get the answer to the the pick and roll thing is, is a is a big thing, and I know Doc has said that they plan to run a lot of like a lot more pick and roll because Brett basically ran none of it. He did talk about running it with Ben and Joel, which I don't I don't think that's really a thing. I think that's a a, a pipe dream. Yeah. But the thing that that'll be interesting to see about Joel is. We'll get the answer to whether they didn't do it because they've never had the guy to do it with him, or they didn't do it because it requires too much motion from him on the yeah. offensive end, where we already know it's kind of enough of a struggle to get him up and down the court. We know a lot of the times that he really doesn't even want to go inside the arc that you know he kind of chooses when he's going to go down and post up, or when he's basically going to stand at the top of the arc so he can be back on defense and not wear put the wear and tear on his legs and his knees and his cardio and whatnot. So we're really going to, one, find out if, once again, another offseason where we hear that his conditioning is good, if that's actually true or not, especially on a short season. And we're definitely going to get the answer to whether Joel is just not built to do pick and roll because of his body or if we haven't seen it because he hasn't had the player and I guess we're going to have to find out who becomes that player. I mean... Seth Curry can do it. I don't know that he's necessarily yeah. the guy you, you want doing that, but he definitely could. I think Tobias Harris is a very interesting option for that because we know Tobias can shoot the mid-range. But the problem is, is will people respect that shot enough? And it's always kind of weird doing it with two bigs. And Tobias is, you know, your small forward, power forward kind of guy. But, you know, you usually see that run with a much smaller yeah. guard and a capable passer because the problem is can Tobias then hit Joel on the roll, if it's there, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, another thing, too, that I, I don't know if you saw this uh, earlier today. There's a a small article and some quotes that came out over Embiid burying the hatchet with uh, new assistant yes. coach uh, Dan Burke. 
so I just saw the headline. I'm like, oh, okay, the, this is news that we already know about. I, I saw it from Jason Blevins okay, for, okay. for me to give him the credit, but you can read it. Uh, but then uh, Embiid, I thought what was interesting uh, regarding the defensive end of the uh, game where he was saying, I think him and the whole coaching staff is going to be kind of at, kind of look at me, kind of being a driving force of the defense, especially when we talk about being defensive player of the year, so on and so forth. Embiid has said that Burke has pushed him to be more aggressive going out to meet the ball in a pick-and-roll defensive coverages as opposed to doing what Embiid prefers, which is dropping back to the rim. So that, that'll be another thing. So now you're not even going to read the quote. Read oh what the the oh yeah about so, burying a hatchet oh okay well so the one I saw was Embiid said today no one likes to play against me because all I do is you know either score or get fouled <laughs> so I get wrong my my favorite thing about this is it really feels like Happy Joel is back yes and that is such a huge deal because when he came out in that eighteen nineteen season and looked like he actually could be making an MVP run. You knew you knew he was having fun. He was checking in the all, all the places on Instagram and he was just like roasting everybody that there was. And like that was his his peak. And I think that he wanted to try to be mature last year and that didn't work. And now you bring back a, a good friend of his in Justin Anderson. You mm. bring in a coach that should be able to work with him that he should definitely respect. It appears that him and Ben are going to continue to work on their relationship. It seems like it's like, Oh yeah. I don't know if Ben, it was a joke that they were going to, you know, share a room together. They were going to move in together for training camp or something. (laughs) But you know, as far as everything I've seen, and I know doc also mentioned something about wanting those two to play like some two on two together where they're just working with each other, which I think is a great idea Mm, that we never really heard about. And you also just bring in guys that I think Joel will, will be able to work with in the way that he plays the game. Again, we talk about fit with Seth Curry, Danny Green, stuff like that. Like these are guys they're gonna that are going to fit with what Joel already does well. And then you expect that somebody like Doc should be able to take that to another level with what he draws up as well and this coaching staff with um Sam Cassell and Dan Burke and uh, Dave Yeager, yeah, like like this this coaching staff is insane. This is one of the best coaching staffs I've ever seen. Yeah, on on paper at least, and you've got guys that know what they're doing. Like I heard there was a report that Ben Simmons has been working with Sam Cassell. Uh, he's oh, been working on corner threes and and just other stuff. You you know that uh, Burke is going to be the one who comes up with the defensive schemes. And Doc actually said that like Burke taught him. Uh, a lot of what he knows about defense already and everything. Like like earlier in his career, I think he might have played in Indiana when Burke just joined the staff. Okay, that makes sense. Or something yeah. like that. So there, there's so much here to unpack, and that doesn't even – we really haven't even touched on you know actually what we expect from guys like Seth yeah. Curry and Danny Green – and and even some of the like a, like a Shake Milton whose role is still very clearly you know unknown. Uh, Matisse Stiebel, you have you have Maxi, uh, who just got into town after clearing the uh, COVID protocol Pretty and everything. Uh, you have Furkan Korkmaz on the bench. So you have Dwight Howard, who we did talk about because the last episode we did was yeah. the, the the night that they signed him, which was amazing. And I, there's there's just so much here. You have, I mean, let's check all the, you know, call them cliche if you want, but let's check all the boxes here. Veteran presence, 
Kachuk, Dwight, Danny Green. Uh, I mean, at this point, I think you could consider Tobias even a veteran presence. But oh, I mean, yeah. I'll take Dwight and Danny Green mm-hmm. uh, all day as that. Uh, championship history. Dwight, yep. Danny Green, again. Doc Rivers, Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell, If, yep. we're, if we're going to go to the coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, defensive guys. Ben Simmons, Matisse Seibel, Terrence Ferguson, three-point shooters, Seth Curry, Furkan Korkmaz, Danny Green, uh, you know, po- post, post-up guys, Dwight, Dwight and Joel, rim protectors, Dwight yeah. and Joel, defensive versatility, Danny Green, Thibault Ben Simmons, ball handling, Ben Simmons, Shake Milton to a degree. I mean, ball handling is definitely the weak spot here. We yeah. know that. Still not sure what a backup point guard on this team really looks like. Now, you know, it's one thing uh, I guess we have to bring up. Uh, Do we? Uh, I guess we don't have to. But a couple <laughs> weeks, we did kind of trade Zaire Smith for like a third center. Who, yeah, who cares? You know, I don't know. People were upset about that. I wasn't. Listen, so. here, okay, you want to take for me? Oh, drum roll. <laughs> they, uh, they cut my guy from the blue coats. Oh, Shayok. Uh, yeah. Shayok has a better chance to still catch on in this league than Zaire Smith does. I don't. Hmm. I love it. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with it, but I mean, I, I, I don't see. I can't argue against it either. Like, I, I, mean, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Zaire doesn't ever see more than a 12th man role on an NBA yeah. roster. And I wouldn't be surprised if Shayok catches on somewhere as a bench scorer. Yeah, doesn't mean it's on a good team or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised. There, there's thirty teams in the league, thirty-two teams in the league. I think thirty-two. It's yeah, I think it's thirty-two. So I mean, he could be the eighth or ninth guy on twenty-seven to thirty-two. Oh, definitely. There's there's definitely yeah. room for that. Uh, so I I I definitely think that he could catch on and be a scorer. Somewhere. And it's just nice. And that's what's great about having someone like Moore. He he knows what he's doing. He's been doing a job for years, and he he comes in and he's a decision maker. He's like, you know, I didn't draft that guy. We're just going to cut the bait, and w- whatever happens, right. happens. Well, it, like it's it's great to just have that. He came in here like, you know, gotta get rid of this. We got to get this, and now like you know, one through ten, like like we said before, like it it makes sense. Right. In, in let's let's go back to September, and and forgetting everything we've we've talked about to this point because. Unfortunately, one of these things will be in the answer, I'm sure. What were the three biggest problems on this roster as far as, like, performance versus salary versus expectation? All those things. What were the three biggest red flags? We, we Only can go back three. and forth if you want. Yeah, three. What are the top three? <laughs> Al Horford. Uh, yeah, Al Horford. Are you re- really no one off the bench? Well, no, I'm saying three people. Oh, were, three. Like, the biggest red flags. It's Al Horford. Mm-hmm. It's Tobias Harris, yeah, and it's Zaire Smith, yeah. They're the three. They they were the biggest the biggest problems. Like again, we we want to defend Tobias, but there's no one else you could put above. Them. Yeah, like there's no one else that's really causing any any significant issue for anything here. It's those three. Maury came in, and two of them are gone. Right. And you're keeping a guy who the new coach has experience and success. You're with. keeping the guy who has the so, best chance to turn it around. Yeah, exactly. Like, far and away, the best chance to turn it around. Not to get back on the Tobias thing, but to just prove that like those were, you had three big looming elephants in the room, and two of them are gone already. Yeah. 
didn't even have to get into the season and see anything crash and burn to start making these things. It was, listen, I've been watching this from afar. I know what the fuck the problem is. This guy's got to go. This guy's got to mm-hmm. go. We need to get this shit in here. And it's already done. Yeah. It's insane. Because it seems like years before, you know, maybe not so much Hinky, but him through, you know, through, uh, you know, Brand having a job before, Maury coming in. It's just like there's always at least one or two players on the roster that was an experiment. Well, we're just going to see how this plays out, you know, and then we'll decide at the trade deadline by then, like what's to come up. Like there's just for a team that wanted to compete and contend, there are just too many question marks, especially at the end of the roster where you need guys that can come off the bench and just, you know, give you points, you know, give you whatever you need rather than like, Oh, our 10th guy's a Zaire Smith. Zaire Smith. He's allergic to peanuts, almost died. We don't know if he's going to play basketball again, but you know he does have a nice shot to his three point game, and may and maybe I don't know, maybe he'll like that. That's what we were waiting on, like like all these, just this weird shit that has happened in the past. There's not like these weird question marks, like yeah, like one thing about Danny Green, people says like, well he's getting old and blah blah. Like, well yeah, we know that like that happens with every player, every veteran, but he has a lot of experience. He's a lot to offer. And he's going to be on, you know, on the court. So there's, there's just not these like weird question marks. Right. You're, you're <laughs> not asking shit. that much of him either. He knows his yeah. role. He knows how to do what he does. He knows how to take care of himself. And you're not going to put the weight of the world on his shoulders. So I think yeah. he, he knows his role. And obviously he has been doing it. I mean, again, he was a big contributor for the team that won the title last year. It's just about age all you want. But as long as you don't mm-hmm. overextend him, you know, Danny Green's not not the fourth best player on any team. No. But he's valuable. I mean, that was the same way when you look back at, like, a Robert Ory. Yeah. He was, like the sixth or seventh best player on every team he won titles with. But he was the but most clutch. He, he knew what he knew yep. his spots. He came through when you needed him. He did every little thing you asked for him. He has a great locker room presence. Got along with people. Like that that's all that's all you asked for from Yeah, like those are players that I think a lot of times people don't think about when like te- teams that win titles like yeah. they they have those contributors. Oh I, oh yeah he's probably Danny Green and Bruce Bowen are, are are a great career very Harrison. good comp, yeah. Like that. That's really that. You know, like Sean Marion, Bruce mm-hmm. Bowen. Those, like, again, we we've talked about Danny Green for years. Like, we wanted him before he went to Toronto. I mean, Bruce Bowen a, really is like he was really the first three and yes, D. Correct. I mean, well, you could say Pippen, I guess, but yeah, it's probably but, Bowen. Yeah, a guy who like he's not a superstar. You know, he's not going to be. You know, not going to make NBA all-star games, but that's a guy, like, you want on your team. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Danny Green is definitely that. Yeah. And by the way, I love how his Instagram account, it's Green Ranger 14 Holy shit, I did not know my, that. My, my man. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and uh, he uh, he said, uh, I think it was today or yesterday, a press conference, he was like, yeah, I, I hated playing in Philly, but he, he sure as hell is happy to be here now. Cause, well, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he said it yeah. in a way where it's intense and the fans right. are loud, and I mean, we always get that, so we appreciate yeah. that. And and that's the cool thing is, you know, there's, there's a lot of those guys who say those things and never get to play here and always take it as a bad thing. But yeah. then it seems like most of the guys that come here and then get to experience it for themselves then tend to appreciate and understand it. The fortunate part for guys like Danny Green and Dwight Howard, especially this year, is hopefully this is not going to be a season where we're booing the team in the first quarter for you know missing five threes because there should be structure and a competent offense and yeah. 
Uh, I, those boos were obviously not simply because of those individual performances. They were a culmination of a ton of bad roster moves and being upset with ownership and the front office and this, that, and the other thing. So I think that the coaching overhaul, getting real role players, not only to, will it make us a better team and we should go deeper into a potential playoff run, but it should also just buy the overall franchise a little bit of patience with the fan base, I hope. Yeah. Uh, we're obviously not a city that's meant to do that. And obviously, <laughs> when we're talking about you know the in-the-building experience, it's all for naught because nobody should fucking be at these games anyway. Correct. And I sure shit don't plan on attending any of yeah. them with our season tickets Correct. because I'm not. Where's our refund, Sixers? Uh, yeah, definitely waiting on that. <laughs> the, the elephant in the room, I guess, that is really the only other big thing we have to discuss, which I'm, I feel like we have for a while now. And again, when you say it feels like we've been doing this podcast for three years, I feel like this is one thing that feels like it's been being talked about for eight months when I think it's only really maybe oh, a, no. month, a month old, if that, is James Harden, who is now, you know, these aren't rumors anymore. James Harden has come out and said that he wants to be traded. He's given a list of places. It initially sounded like it was really just the Nets. Then it sounded like the Sixers basically became the second option or even the first option. And now it's expanded to a couple other teams. It sounds like Milwaukee and the Heat are in the mix. It definitely sounds like he wants to get out of the West, which is alarming to me because he's never made it out of the West anyway. (laughs) And it almost feels like giving up on it. Right. Which I don't like that mentality. But at the same time, it is very obvious that the East is pretty much up for grabs. And whatever team gets him, especially if it's any of those four, immediately jumps to the number one contender, I think. Uh, I guess I would say that if the Nets get him, maybe I still don't think that they're better than Milwaukee, but they probably are. If we're taking the average outcome of Kevin Durant's health and Kyrie Irving existing, and also assuming he's not in the deal, which he very well may be, I really don't know. To to keep it with the Sixers first, Steve, I'll ask you, is Ben Simmons off the table? Yes, he better be. But I think he is. So there's there's no deal you do where Ben Simmons leaves. I mean, if it's, I mean, probably not. Here's here's why it's difficult because in trading Ben Simmons, it's just the the potential. All those years you're giving up of seeing what he can could become. Whereas James Harden, you know, your odds. I'll be honest, your odds of winning a title are greater. With if you had to pick either Harden or Simmons, Harden's going to be closer to get you to the title, but that's only going to be realistically two to three years max. Whereas Ben Simmons, that could be four to five years, him coupled with Embiid. Um, so I I'd rather I'd rather not see that trade happen. I don't see a trade that would make sense for either team where you trade Harden. Um, but not include Simmons or Embiid. I mean, for starters, yes. I mean, you could uh, trade Tobias. That would be the starting point for a deal to make the money work. But then all the work they had just done to um, lower their exposure to the uh, uh, going over the salary cap, like the, you know, the taxes on that and like that gets all washed away. Now, is it worth it for a player like James Harden? Sure. Uh, But I just... Harden's like for me, he's a league pass guy. Like I love watching him play, but I I have a hard time seeing him working with Embiid even more difficult than Simmons. 
But okay, that I don't agree with. There's a lot of things that that I don't like about James Harden, and I'm about to go to them. But the one thing I will say is I I definitely don't agree with that. I think Embiid and Harden would work really well together, and I think that's really the only upside to this deal is that okay. I think Harden is the ultimate complimentary piece to Embiid, whereas Ben obviously isn't because Ben doesn't fucking shoot. Embiid needs yeah, a shooter, that's... and Harden plays has been playing point guard for the last umpteen years. Like he's been the ball handler, he facilitates everything. And like that, that would be just fine. The, the many of the problems I have. Number one, let me ask you this: What do you think James Harden's career three point percentage is? Thirty six five. Okay, thirty six three. Wow, it's not that great. Mm-mm. No, he hits a lot of them. Yeah, I mean he he's a chucker. Yeah, it's not that great. Last year, thirty five point five percent. Like, it's not really getting any better. His field goal percentage for a guy. Now, granted, we're talking about how he chucks up a bunch of threes. He's also a guy that gets to the rim all the time. Yeah. And usually, if he misses at the rim, he got a foul call. His field goal percentage, 44%. Ooh, that's it? It's fine. Yeah, like, it's... It's not great. This is a volume guy. And one of the biggest problems, even if you trade Ben Simmons, is a lot of your volume goes to Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about, are you going to take away from Joel Embiid? Are you going to take away from all the looks that all these role players you just got would be able to get that you're like very excited yeah. about them getting? Like I wrote about, uh, I'm working on a piece about Sixers improving their three-point shooting with all the roster changes they've made. And the one thing that I, I noticed was that Seth Curry, I think, was only took the fourth most threes on the Mavericks last year, despite being the best three-point shooter they had by a mile. Wow. Doncic took more. Porzingis took more. And I think Tim Hardaway Jr. was the other one. All took more attempts per game than Seth Curry. Seth Curry, who shot 45 fucking percent on five attempts per game, got the fourth most looks on that team. Mm. Now, granted, Seth Curry is not like a... a, a Dead set starter. Obviously, he's a guy that probably comes off the bench, and you figure those attempts are going to be limited. But if I'm a coach, and Luka Doncic is a guy who shoots like 35% from three, Porzingis is pretty good. He's probably closer to 40. And Tim Hardaway Jr., I think, is, you know, like above average, but not elite. Like, I'm not having Seth Curry. If Seth Curry's fourth on this team in three point attempts, I'm going to fucking. I'm, I want somebody fired. Yeah. Like, That's he, not he be needs to be. I mean, I, like, Tobias and him are probably 1-2, I imagine. And then, like, Joel, I guess Joel and Shake, Like, those are my top four in attempts. And then I guess you go to, like, a Danny Green, Furkan, Korkmaz combination elsewhere. But I don't want James Harden coming here. He shot 12 and a half threes per game last year. At 36%. At 35%. 35%, yeah. I, I think... The Sixers only took in the low 20s as a team overall. So replace anybody with James Harden. You're probably getting them closer to 30, which is where people want them to be. But I don't want them to be there if it's 12 James Harden chucks and that those are dead possessions. Yeah. Because usually he's not giving the ball up. And if he does, it probably doesn't really come back. (laughs) And especially on this team, because it's either going to be him or Embiid. I just have a lot of qu- like. There's a lot of great ideas about the fit, but there's a whole bunch of problems that accompany it. So like, things don't happen in a vacuum, 
And that's where I disagree with your point. Because in a vacuum, Joel Embiid and James Harden should be fucking awesome together. The question is, are they awesome together on a team? Right. A five and a bench. And I really don't know. And we talked about, you know, Paul George earlier. And we talked about Tobias Harris. You know, Harden is not young either. And not only is Harden not young, but Harden hasn't played less than 35.4 minutes per game in a season since 2011 and 12. Wow. And he doesn't really miss games or anything. Like he has three, he had three straight seasons, 81, 82, 81 games played games started. Mm. And while he hasn't won a title, he's pretty much always been in the playoffs. So not only is he playing usually yeah. around 80 games, but he's playing first round, usually second round. I think one conference finals, if that, so there's, there's tread on those tires. Yeah. And I don't think that that's a problem this season or the next season, but it will become a problem. Yeah, when you're making, especially when you're making over $40 million a year. And he only has two years left on the deal. Yeah. So if you give up Ben for that, it's scary because one, maybe he doesn't even stay. Two, maybe you don't want him to stay. Yeah. The three, maybe he doesn't want to stay. I mean, any of those, I mean, it's a pretty, I'd give any of those a one in three shot to, to happen. And, None of them seem great because I don't think I want to pay him at 32, which will probably be more money than Paul George is going is getting now, which we're already complaining about. Granted, I think you would yield better dividends even from giving Harden a deal at 32 than you are giving Paul George one now, but I don't think the difference is that significant versus again what you said in Ben Simmons is the potential. And granted, I don't know, man. I don't I don't know the best case for Ben Simmons even if he does everything else besides shoot extremely well i don't know you know at the end of the day if you're gonna look you're you're gonna look back and think james harden was a better player you're gonna think he had a better career you're gonna think he had more success so you know when 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 both these guys get done with their time harden is going to be a much more accomplished accomplished and and awarded player and recognized player and that's fine but you know we want to win now and we want to win consistently I mean, if you're talking about who is going to give your team the better chance for the next three to four years to win and be available and consistent and be well worth their contract, it's Ben Simmons. Yeah. And the thing with these, uh, you know, trade proposals and rumors, I feel like almost never takes into consideration is that does it make sense for both teams? And, and, and listen, I'm guilty of being a homer all the time. And sometimes like, oh, yeah, we should do that, blah, blah, blah. But like, really, like, would Houston, one, is Houston going to want to deal with the team who's now being run by your former general manager? I don't think that matters. Like, I, You're saying they wouldn't want Ben Simmons? I'm not saying, okay. That's crazy to that, me. If I'm Houston okay. and I can get five right. years of Ben Simmons when I think this guy's going to force his way out anyway okay. on a cheaper deal, yes, and I can build a team around him and he can be the face of my franchise. Yes, I, you're right about that. I mean, Houston wins this deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even the best-case scenario for Harden here, Houston wins the deal. Mm-hmm. But you you go on Twitter and you see, see these silly trade proposal machine screenshots and you see people like, oh, all the Sixers need to trade to get Harden is Tobias Harris and, um, and, and Seth Curry. That's right. all they need to give. It's like Houston doesn't do that deal, especially with Tobias Harris having, uh, you know, at least three more years after this, like right. I mean, and, and I agree just, with you there, and that's that's a thing. That's and I think because I think people just keep looking at it like, well, they have to keep you know 
Harden, Simmons, and Embiid. There's nobody do that they do that trade without either Embiid or Simmons. It's like okay, like I mean, that's what you would hope at least, but I don't know how realistic that is. I think Simmons is the best deal Houston can get. Mm-hmm. I think they take it in a heartbeat. I'm not saying Ben's untouchable, but I don't think I do the deal. I don't think I can kill them if they end up doing it. Yeah. You definitely need you need to get more. Like they're gonna still end up giving Houston picks because Houston's doing this to rebuild. Yeah, so they're not gonna just t- like I don't think Ben is enough for them <laughs> straight up. Although they're gonna want picks, but I want those picks to also get me value. Like I've seen deals where we also get like PJ Tucker, and we yeah. don't have a fucking power forward on this team. No, we like don't. I would but... love PJ Tucker. Yeah, and that's like I know having PJ Tucker really matter when you're talking about James Harden and Ben Simmons seems kind of stupid and maybe, you know, a little bit, what's the word? Like superficial maybe is mm-hmm. a way to put it. But if you're telling me that I that I have to trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, I need P.J. Tucker back. Like I need another guy that can yeah. fill a role that can be a serviceable, like, potential starter if not a great bench option that like still like a like a i don't know like a like a super sub right or something that that has become so, a thing in the nba so, so you're telling me you don't think houston's going to try to trade harden for for Embiid so they can try to win a title with joe and john wall <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so that that's another thing that's weird about the ben thing now and i mean i guess houston probably doesn't really give a shit about what john wall wants or what he does and yeah. i don't even know if he can play but John Wall and Ben Simmons definitely doesn't work. So like that's that's a nightmare. Yeah. If you actually are planning on trying to use John Wall, there's no way. Like I imagine that's just, they're taking on that dead money just so they're waiting for the for the year that he's off the books. Like I, I mean, I guess yeah. Because I, mean, I, I that, think that deal was weird, man. Yeah, it, I think I tweeted something along the lines of that's like trading your you know. Uh, O two Honda Civic in for an O four Honda Accord at a used dealership, like it just, yeah, I guess yeah. And I think, I'm surprised you didn't go with some sort of Toyota Corolla thing there. Yeah, um, but and I and didn't get didn't Houston get a pick back too for? I think one I mean, of the they teams had got a for, for, yeah. So I mean, I mean if all for as much as I hate Russell Westbrook, he's definitely a better player right now. Oh yeah, than John Wall is, and if I'm the Wizards, then I at least have to. I must have had some sliver of hope that Westbrook and Bradley Beal makes me a seventh or an eighth seed and makes yeah. some noise. Yeah, um, the the whole thing's weird. Although but... playing a uh, uh, Russell Westbrook four times a year will be fun. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I just. I don't know. I uh, I feel I feel like every day it changes for me. Yeah. Ultimately, I don't know if I don't know if it's just bias and like attachment, but I, I definitely don't want Ben to be traded. But I do. Th- if if you if you say you know what are the Sixers championship percentage this season as the roster is currently constructed, I would say like fifteen percent. Yeah, I was about ten, Some, fifteen, something. Yeah. You know, not and not anything crazy high, but I definitely. I'm going in not thinking it's crazy to to expect them to get close. Yeah. If James Harden comes here and Ben Simmons leaves, I I, I do probably say it's like 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's 20 this season, and this then season. I don't know what happens going forward. Yeah. Whereas, like, right now, you could convince me that at least for the next two, if not three seasons, this team 
has like a baseline of like 15% to win. So do you take 15% the next three or do you take 20 this year? I I don't think it's enough to do the deal. No. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't know. It's yeah, it's, it's either way it's going to like I'm excited. It's the same, you know, we talked about the the Wentz and Jalen Hurts thing. Like, I'm actually excited to watch the Eagles. Even though I don't want them to win the division, I don't think they'll win the division. Like, I want a top pick. I want people fired. But at least this is something to spark the interest. Like, everything we've talked about here just makes this team so interesting. And it's, like, a fun interesting. It's not last year felt like, you know, that, that expression of, uh, it's it's a car crash on the side of the road. Like, you can't help but stare at it. But yeah. like, it's not something you should look at or want to mm-hmm. look at or take any pleasure in. But you can't look away. Yeah, we kind of we talked ourselves in it, but we kind of knew last season was probably going to go that way. And then obviously the world collapsed yeah. on itself as well. But this season, at least, even if you want to doubt championship potential, I I can't argue with you. Yeah, and what's kind of interesting is uh, the last time we kind of had. It's not the same scenario, but we're asking ourselves a lot of the same questions of, you know, would we want, uh, you know, two, three years ago, would we want LeBron to sign here? Like, there's part of me that's like, I, I don't want LeBron coming here. It, but, but then there's part of me that's like, oh, man, but. See, I wanted LeBron. I said, but, I, you I know, he's like, it. you know, there's all these role players that are going to suddenly want to show up to play at the minimum. And, you know, we'll, we would have to win at least one title with him. But, you know. Beyond that, I mean, how long is that going to last? Two, three years at most. And but it, I mean, it's completely different scenario circumstances. But asking yourself the same questions, it, you know, the what ifs and everything. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, we we got one mailbag question, which is one more than we usually get. So I'll take it. Uh, hopefully, you know, we can start getting a little bit of engagement. But. Uh, Friend of the podcast, Anthony Maziotti, who was actually on Punches and Photos last week as a guest oh. uh, with Paul and Sean. Cool dude. Uh, Anthony asked, what process era sixer would you welcome as a role player on this year's team? And why is it Tony Roten? <laughs> so, and thanks for the question. Tony Roten obviously makes a lot of sense because he's like that six-man type of uh, spark plug scorer off the bench. He's kind of a combo guard, so... You figure that also fits the mold of this team. But at the same time, we talked about, you know, what's the one thing it really feels like this team is missing is a point guard. So if we're talking about Sixers era role player, I'm cheating. I have two answers because there's two different reasons for it. Because one, I want to back a point guard. The answer is TJ McConnell. Yeah. Which I don't know that's cheating uh, because, like, he wasn't really a role player when he was here because we were so bad that he was actually, like, starting a lot of the time but obviously in the league he's a role player he's a backup point guard so i think that that's fair in that regard and that's just because we need a backup point guard uh obviously can't fucking shoot but we're already dealing with that with i miss full court presses with tj too man oh yeah absolutely (laughs) that i mean that was obviously the best part yeah but the uh, my other thought was okay like outside of the backup point guard role like i kind of feel like we have a lot of the roles that we need and we've gone over we've got three point shooters we've got scores we've got defenders we've got 3 and D we have Dwight is the backup big so we're good there we have all these things so i'm thinking okay who's somebody that i don't even think would need minutes would be fine if they didn't really play but could come in and do a bunch of things if needed, maybe in a, in a game where you got to rest some guys, who would be a good veteran presence, who who was a, a consummate professional 
on a team where even though we talked about guys like Danny Green and Dwight, there's still not a ton of, you know, that veteran kind of presence and that mature person in the locker room. Jason Richardson? Along those lines, actually, (laughs) that might be a better answer than mine. So if you want to take that, that's a good one. Mine was Gerald Henderson. Okay. I loved Gerald Henderson. I thought with this team obviously looking to tank and him being a veteran. Now, a veteran that hadn't really won much, but a veteran who really didn't deserve to have to go through that shit. He was a consummate professional here. He played pretty damn well on bad teams. Yeah. Did a bunch of little things. Just you know, Is he even still in the league? That was his last season. He hasn't played since. Okay, that makes – okay, that's what I – okay, I was thinking, yeah. That's the kind of guy that I'd be fine. Like, that's an actual end of the bench kind of guy. Yeah. Like, you know who it reminds me of a little bit, and this is, you know, not to be disrespectful at all because it's not in the same vein at all, but it's like a Udonis Haslam in Miami. Yeah. He's not fucking playing. He doesn't matter to your success, but he's there because the guys like him. Uh, You know, he means a lot to the franchise. And he's won. Now, like, those things obviously aren't the case with Gerald Henderson. Yeah. But, like, it just fills that role of this guy doesn't need to go in the fucking game to to matter to this team. Hmm. So, the, the, that was Gerald Henderson was my first thought. And then as we've been having the conversation about not having a backup point guard, clearly, the, I mean, the only person I could think that I would really even trust that we had at any point was TJ because I fucking hated uh, Sergio Rodriguez. <sighs> I, I definitely can't have Isaiah Cannon no. on this team. He's not really a point guard anyway. Well, what uh, if we could answer this question? I, I would with say the... Ish Smith would be another oh, okay. good good point guard too. Now, what if we could solve this uh, you know, question with an in-house answer? You said earlier we don't really have a power forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, Someone that could be the third center. I mean, Elton Brand, lace it back up, baby. He's a process sixer, right? He is I mean, a process sixer. Process sixer slash assistant coach slash general manager of both the blue coats and the sixers. He's not good at any of those things. No. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I'm trying to find ways to get Alan Brand away from this team, yeah. not give him more of a role again. <laughs> I mean, you're not firing, but then you can sign him as a player, then trade him or cut him. Maybe it's like, hey, That's man, we, we need you to uh, ride the end of the bench, so you're not going to be able to handle yeah. all the GM day to day. So. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and look for yeah. a replacement. Um, my my the, the first thing that comes to to mind is Jeremy Grant. I mean, that's someone who can play four small ball five, and that's kind of one thing. It's it's not a pressing need like a a backup ball handler, but uh, as you know, on nights when you know playing a condensed schedule, Embiid's gonna have his nights off, and you're gonna have Dwight Howard as your starting center, and who's gonna be behind him? I mean, there's that um, other guy we traded from. Yeah, I guess oh, uh, the Por- guy that Poirier. No, was it was that the guy we got in the um, Zaire Smith trade from Detroit? Uh, 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 yeah, name I don't not remember from, his name. Yeah, something generic like like Paul Robinson or oh, okay. I don't know Justin sure. Thompson. I don't know. Yeah, but, well, I mean, yeah. Jeremy Jeremy Grant would be amazing. Yeah. I, I don't consider him a role player anymore because he just got paid. No, and, yeah. but I actually uh, Jeremy Grant. I saw, man. Yeah, he, he's he just uh, stole a lot of money from Detroit. Well, I don't know if he stole, but I saw I saw somebody, some NBA person. I can't remember now. Might have been. I feel like it was someone from the fucking Ringer, of course. Mm. But they said that they actually think that Jeremy Grant could be a top forty player in the league. Really, uh, mm. I I don't think that that's the case. 
Yeah. He's good. He's good. He ain't that yeah. good. No. But, uh, man, that I, I, didn't, I didn't think this would be that organized nor would we cover that much, but I think we did a pretty good job here. All Seems things. like the pods get better the less we uh, the prepare. Less we, I don't know about that. <laughs> I might disagree with you there, yeah. but it was fine. Uh, before uh, I send this off, you got anything else, Steve? Anything you want to yes, add? Yes, one thing, since Great. we're both a basketball and a beer podcast, yes. shout mm-hmm. out to... Goose Island in Philly, man. That oh, sucks. Rest that, in peace. Dude, we, I know we've talked about this before. We went to the um, uh, uh, Goose Island in Chicago. That was by far, I mean, living in New Jersey, dude, I'm tired of touring breweries. But, oh, like, yeah. that that was better, better than the Sam Adams one. Um, just mm, great. I don't know about that. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I had a fantastic time. And, the, dude, uh, like Bourbon County, just like so many great beers. And, you know, because of, you know, fucking COVID, they had to close their Philly location. And like that, that's, that's a bummer. So I know that's they're a damn shame. It's also know, the first place in the history of this podcast that we've done an episode that closed. Oh yeah. So uh point being, man, just, I, I know these are tough times for everyone, but uh if you're buying beer, buy local, buy independent, like, you know, so, you know, support your, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, uh, better than anyone, you, you buy a local beer, like you're just not helping your local economy. You're helping a small business. Like yeah. it, people, I don't, I think people overlooked that, that most of these breweries are small businesses. So I, I mean, just in, in these tough times, we need to, you know, keep those people employed and, you know, keep, keep, keep the beers flowing and, you know, everyone will be happy. So. Yeah, and again, you know, I work at a brewery, and I still want to make sure I'm supporting other ones. I would hope that other people support all kinds of ones, including the one I work at, Boneshill Brewery in Glassboro, New Jersey. Our entire actual brewery part is six people. There's only six of us. There's the boss and five workers, me and four four other dudes. And then you have your bar staff, and that's for you have a little. We have a little bit of distribution, like some salespeople and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. probably, I don't know. 25, 30 people. Like, that's more than most breweries, but right. that's still a very small business. But it's business. still a very small business. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, we've been to most of these breweries where there's two people there, three people there. Like, not like yeah. like working. Like, there's, like, a bartender and, and maybe a server. And then you, you look in the back and they have, you know, maybe six tanks or something. It's probably the owner half the time is the brewer as well. Yeah. Like, they're not even hiring somebody to brew. They were probably a home brewer who opened the brewery. Yeah. And they're and they're doing that on 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 the weekends or at nights after their full time right, yeah. job. And like, they're probably not taking a salary. No, or really making money. Like right, like, like they're so. probably breaking even to keep the business open. Exactly, they're not taking a cut. They're yeah. paying the employees. So yeah, it, it's a very big deal. It, it's the same as anything else. I actually like, you know, we we don't order out a ton, but you know, me and me and you both order out a decent amount, and we both do like fast food. But uh, I've try to make a conscious effort to to order from more local like pizza mm-hmm. places and stuff during this time and i feel like my wife usually doesn't care and she's always a bargain shopper and, and all this <laughs> yeah. stuff but I, I was proud of her the other day because she picked up lorenzo's cabana for us which we've talked about on the pod before <sighs> yes. just so good and she was like yeah i was just out and i was gonna pick us up like something easy and then i thought i, I should support a local business today and i'm like you never say that. Yeah. Like, she's always just buying. Go to Lorenzo's, go to our friends in Westville. Yeah. Then, you know, you go to our friends in Just don't take their beer to go because the can's yeah. fucking explode. But yeah, true. Beer's still but good. 
All things considered. Yeah, eight and sand for sure. So, yeah, anything yeah. you can do, again, like I mentioned the Tavor thing, and that's great, but nothing I got from there is local. That's stuff I can't get in my liquor yeah. store or anything. You know, if you want to do that, that's fine. Still, still helping out small businesses. Right, a lot of them country. are small breweries. Eat, eat other... at the restaurants near those breweries. Like, yeah. that, that it all, it's all interconnected, man. Yeah, and, and, and it's a big deal. And, again, you, you can go to those places. Everyone that we have been to during COVID, granted, we haven't gone to a lot of places nor very often, trying to be responsible but we have gone many of them have have adjusted their like that's another big expense especially for breweries is they've had to adjust their entire experience for social distancing because usually it's a small little tap room everyone's clustered in so a lot of places have had to expand they've had to actually like yeah make it outdoors they've had to buy extra seat like they've had to buy a lot of extra things dude like to make the experience okay and they've done a good job of I, it. I i know like it's not relatable but like working all those years at walgreens like i have a very good understanding of the inner workings of a retail operation and you go whether it's a small you know business like a restaurant or a brewery like just seeing those plastic dividers you know just uh keep people safe and separate like i just think like like think like little things like that are like they're not cheap yeah. man like, like every that's, brewery that's we've been to has, yeah. has presented a qr code for you to scan to get the menu so that you're not using a menu right. that's shared with people like that's a big deal yeah. And a lot of these breweries weren't able to pr- pr- provide flights, which is usually the biggest thing because people go, they haven't yeah, had it. Yeah, Especially like right. my, my wife doesn't want to drink a full beer because she doesn't like that many of them, so she gets a flight. And and for months and still now, most of them aren't doing it because no. it, it's it's hard. One, it's hard to keep those things up, and it's a shared glass. A lot of places have had to go to pouring your stuff in plastic cups and whatnot right. because they don't want to reuse glassware and potentially spread the virus so you know they don't really make like plastic flight glasses like you'd have to find us it's a whole thing so they they basically made people buy full pours which is tough because i understand that if you're not a beer person you don't really want to go and spend seven dollars on on a dark german beer you have no idea if you're gonna like or not exactly i I don't blame anybody for that but you know we're 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 getting off of it but again just do whatever you can whether it's a brewery whether it's a, a small mom and pop food place uh, I mean, what the fuck else is this? I feel like those are the only two things I care about are food and beer. Yeah, that's the most, you know. I don't know. Like, I- I've been trying to buy, you know, like, T-shirts and stuff from, oh, yeah. from, from independent stuff. Like, I have, I have two tees that just came to me upstairs from uh, Step nice. Over Tees, Jim Adair. There you go. Uh, has that whole Philadelphia historical series. I got the, oh, uh, yeah. I think I got the TGI Friday yeah, the Iverson TGI one. Friday. And I got the... Shit. See, like, I had to do a double take on that one because I'm like, wait, like, that should really be a landmark. Like, Oh, absolutely. Like, like that's not a joke. That's not a bit. Like, that. why that hasn't already happened is beyond me. Oh, I got the uh, the Matt Stairs moonshot. Nice. And I got the TGI Fridays. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot yeah. of good ones. I think there's a, I think there's an Utley one. I think there's a step over one. Trying to think of what the fl- I think there's but a fl- buy yeah but buy the TGI Friday shirt just don't go to TGI Fridays there's better places yeah yeah you yeah to go to. yeah especially on but, the main line yeah. fuck them yeah <laughs> but yeah uh, thanks everybody who I, I mean if you're still listening at this point I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you even even our, our even our goodest friends I can't imagine you stuck through this bullshit but if you did God bless you. Uh, we appreciate you. We're not going anywhere. I know we've been a little few and far between here, but now the season is is in view. I really want to make sure we're getting back to at least once a week. Uh, I know we, we've talked about getting Steve set up at home so he doesn't even have to bother coming over here. So that may help us. You know, Maybe we'll do one here and one remote or something a little shorter. 
uh, just quick hit stuff and then do like the big one like this uh, every so often. So, you know, we can still be friends yeah. and everything. There you go. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. We're very excited to begin year three. Very excited to be a part of Last Out Media. Make sure that you're following them. There are big things in the works over there as I get introduced to all the staff there and I hope to be able to bring them on regularly and and get involved with that whole crew. Like our friend Rob Manoff is, is their main Sixers guy who's been on the pod a bunch of times. Great guy. Um, he's killing it right now covering the team. So uh, I'm excited to have direct access to him and get him on and get that kind of insight available to us uh, just like we've had in the past with guys like, you know, Jason Blevins when we were at the Painted Lines and stuff like that. So I hope to be able to bring that kind of stuff to you again. Hope to be able to ramp the blue coat stuff up once it's safe to do so. Uh, Everything like that will keep you up to date with news, everything like that, and really hope to get back out there and start seeing some people when it's safe to do so, obviously. Uh, Until next time, for Steve, um, Dan, thanks for for listening, everybody, and trust the podcast. (laughs) 